Welcome to Beyond 90 with your hosts, Jake Gutierrez and Lance Chazona. Our guest today on Beyond 90 is an incredible philanthropist who also happens to be an outstanding footballer for FC Tulsa. Hailing from Chibang, South Africa, we're honored today to welcome Lebo Moloto to the show. Lebo, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, Jake. Appreciate it. So when did you fall in love with football? Uh, when did I fall in love with football? Well, you're taking me back to, uh, you know, the dusty streets of South Africa. You know, uh, I grew up in a village, a small village uh, outside of Bulukwani, South Africa. So that's uh, four hours north of Johannesburg, you know, uh, for the people that don't know a lot about South Africa. But uh, yeah, so growing up there, uh, I come from a family that didn't have much and uh, it's not like I had other options. You know, soccer, it's uh, it's known to be a, a worldly sport and the most affordable sport there is, you know. So for, for me, it was, uh, it was a no-brainer that, uh, you know, uh, to fell in love with the game uh, through just, you know, picking up plastic bags and making a soccer ball and you know just kicking it around, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was how I fell in love with the game. What, what was a young label like growing up in Chebang, South Africa, my friend? Uh, I would say Lenz, he was, you know, he always had the boogers and stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, he, uh, you know, I was always, uh, I got into trouble a lot, you know, a lot of times because, uh, simply because of playing the game, you know, uh, there was chores that needed to be done and they were never done, you know, uh, homeworks, you know, which I'm not encouraging, you know, homeworks were supposed to be done, <laughs> but they were never done. Uh, and um, a lot of bath was not taken, you know, you can imagine. <laughs> You can imagine, you know, uh, after playing soccer on dirt and you're exhausted and your mom is out there saying, you know, go outside, you know, go put uh, hot water, start up a fire. I'm like, I'm exhausted. I, you know, I'm not standing up a fire, you know. <laughs> and I would sneak in the blanket and, uh, yeah, you know, you can imagine nasty blankets and stuff, you know. But uh, those are experiences that I cannot uh, trade for anything, to be honest. Do you come from a big family, Lebo? Uh, I do. I do, yes. I have, uh, so there's five of us, you know. Uh, I have three other brothers and uh, an, an older sister. So my sister is the first one, and then I have uh, an older brother, and then there's two uh, younger brothers. All, all, all football players or soccer players? All, all football players. All football players, except my sister, of course. But all football players, uh, when we go home... Um, you know, it's we play two on two, two versus two, in the off season. You know, uh, we do a lot of juggling competitions. You know, uh, especially with what's going on now, they've been sending me videos and challenging me and stuff. You know, <laughs> so so yeah. So I come from a a family of you know football. We all love football. We love the game, and we try to play. You know, uh, when I'm back home, we try to uh, make up a team and play as much as we can. We saw you in the garage on TikTok today, man. Was that one of the challenges? Uh, yeah, I actually sent that challenge to them and they were like, no, 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 no. That's why you're getting paid to play soccer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they were like, they were like, ah, no, no, no. You know, I'm not breaking my groin for this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, I mean, they, uh, they're awesome. They're awesome. Did, did your parents play? Your, your mom or dad play? Well, my dad claims he played, but, you know, I haven't seen it. <laughs> my dad claims he played, uh, but uh, honestly speaking, you know, I think he might have played because, um, you know, when we're in the backyard, you know, sometimes he'd be like, 
you know, he'd be hitting some passes. I'm like, you know, ah, that's a good pass. You know, like, I'm like, well, I guess maybe he's not all tough. Maybe he has played, you know. But, uh, yeah, you know, so, yeah, so so obviously uh, I have a lot of respect for him. So I'll, I'll just give him that credit. He, I think he did. Play. Nice, Lebo, nice, bro. <laughs> yeah. So I read you didn't actually play till you were 13 and when you got your first pair of Adidas boots from your mom. Is that is that the story? Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I played. I played all along, you know. Uh, but in South Africa, it's not like in the U.S., you know, where I come from at least. It's not like in the U.S. where uh, in the village it's, you know, you're always playing pickup games, always. You know, you you find a little bit of a, a block, uh, you know, a block, uh, and then you use it as a goal, you know, uh, because you don't have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, equipment that people have in the U.S. like pugs, pug goals, you yeah. know. So we would find a block, uh, put a block on one end, and we just keep playing, you know. Uh, but then it doesn't get organized until you play in the U12s. You know, in the U-12s, that's when you, you play on that massive field. Like everyone else, there's no, oh, you're going to play on an eight. No, massive field, everyone else is playing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then obviously, like I said, like you said, I, I didn't get my first pair of shoes, cleats until I was, I think, 13 or 14. And they were, uh, I'll tell you, Jake, they were the heaviest thing I've ever used. <laughs> you know, I was so uncomfortable. I mean, I just couldn't. I wanted them, but once I was wearing them because I wasn't used to them, I wanted to take them off, you know, uh, because I felt like I couldn't pass properly. I couldn't move properly. You know, I couldn't um, shoot the ball properly, you know, because I was just used to being barefooted, yeah. to be honest, you know. Felt like actual boots, heavy boots, work boots. Yeah. And they, and they, and they, were, they, like, they were like those cheap boots, you know, the cheap, heavy boots for sure. How long does it take you to adjust your game from from going barefoot to actual with with boots on? I think if I can remember properly, I think I I took them off that game the first time I had them. Like I took them off, you know. I was like, I cannot do it, you know. I cannot do it. Uh, but then obviously it took a little bit of uh, training in them um, to get used to them. But even now, like honestly, like to be honest, Alens, even now, like. You know, you have a lot of guys say, ah, oh, you know, I have to wear a boot the whole week and do this. To me, I'm like, you know, I look at it like, I never had boots. I don't care. Give me boots right now. I'll wear it. Uh, and then I'll play. Because I was growing up, I was, you know, even after I received my fair, boots, uh, fair pair of, my first pair of boots from my parents, uh, obviously they got old and my parents couldn't afford another pair. So it was a situation where I was borrowed shoes, you yeah. know. So if, if, if somebody wasn't playing uh, on Saturday morning and they were on the bench, they would borrow me cleats. You know, so to me, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a situation of, oh, I have to get comfortable. If I don't, you know, I'll get another pair. There was no option. When you were coming up and, and you were just starting your soccer career, man, who were some of your uh, biggest influences on your game? Uh, I would say uh, I've always collected posters of, Didier Drogba, uh, or at least co collected posters of uh, Zlatan, uh, Berbatov. You know, I would say like I, I looked up to a lot of like, uh, you know, your Berbatov, Zlatan, uh, Eto, uh, Drogba. Uh, I would say mostly was, was Drogba for sure. Do you meet Didier in the, did you meet him in the playoffs or did you meet him previously, personally get to meet Didier? Well, we played when I was in the Western Conference, I think. Three years ago, 2017, we played against him, and uh, I mean, honestly, it was an honor, you know, 
played against him. I remember the first game, it was in Soap, and I was playing against him. And, you know, I was playing as a false nine. And I kept on checking, you know, in between the defensive midfielders and the defenders. And and he was out there just yelling, you know, like, he's killing us, you know, make sure you defend him, you know. Awesome. And, and to me, I was like, Oh well, he's recognizing me. That's what's up, you yeah. know. And uh, and uh, yeah, after the game, he uh, he actually came to me and I was like, hey, "Where are you from?" I was like, "South Africa." He was like, "Oh, my African brother," you know. I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And, he, and then there was apparently a kid that asked him for a jersey before the game, you know. And so after the game, he goes. The kid goes to him. I was talking to him, and he goes, "Oh, Drogba, don't forget about about me," you know, uh, with the jersey. And then Drogba's like, "No, no, no, no. I'm gonna give it to him." You know, he he had a good game, you know. So yeah, so he gave me the jersey. He signed it. Uh, I actually have it hang up in my little man cave in here. You know, what a piece of memorabilia to have on the wall. Yeah, yeah, and it's and on, and honestly, like it's it's pretty awesome because uh, you know we exchange numbers. It's somebody that I text whenever he texts back, and I talk to him uh, if I have any advice. Uh, you know, I've talked to him about uh, because I know he does a lot of uh, giving back. You know, back home, and I've talked to him about uh, when I started up the whole Chivin Cup, which obviously we'll talk about later on. But uh, you know, I asked him a few questions, and he was he was helpful. Dude, how cool was that though? You being able to one play against one of the guys that had the biggest influence on your game, and two, like him saying that guy's been killing us all game. Get him. <laughs> nah, it was awesome. It was. Lance, uh, he was. Uh, you know, if if uh, for lack of better words, I think I was. You know, I was just excited. You know, I was excited to be on the field with him. I was just excited to to actually get to see that man like this is the guy that i look up to i looked up to him you know uh and but during the game it was it was i remember going into the game it was always i know he's uh, obviously he's at an age where he's past his peak right but it was always like oh i want to do well you know i want to do well against him and you know i just want to see if i can get a feedback from him that would be awesome you know especially in terms of growing my game, you know, and for him to actually recognize, I think it was awesome. Yeah. It was good. Hell yeah, was man. Good. I know that education uh, has been a hugely important focus for you in your life and your career. What were your own educational opportunities growing up? Uh, when I was growing up, I was, uh, Jake, I would say I was, I was probably one of the smartest kids in the, in the family, you know, and uh, my parents, always said you know you need to to have dreams you need to uh you know you can be anything you want to be uh, i was good at math uh you know i was i was actually a pretty smart uh, student you know um growing up and um you know obviously the game got introduced to me and i fell in love with the game you know so i kind of felt like i shared uh my love for both things you know i never kind of like pushed one and left the other one behind or you know so I just moved with them together and um, I think growing up uh, I remember when I was growing up you know I was like I oh, mean I want to be a lawyer you know I want to be a lawyer and my mom was like you know my mom like I come from a Christian family my mom was like I don't know about you being a lawyer because it means if somebody does something bad you have to speak on their behalf and you know so there was always like a question of do I want to be a lawyer or I don't you know uh, you know does it you know, uh, go against my beliefs, you know, but uh, I, I always wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> Backup career right there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I went to, obviously, I went to college and uh, I got a different degree, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Do you, so, 
um, when you were when you were coming up through the youth ranks in in South Africa, man, uh, I read something to where you you were talking about how when you finally made it to the academy in in South yes. Africa, and you said something like, you know, I was fortunate that my parents were able to send me there because a lot of kids weren't. And it, was it it was it a pay to play academy? Okay, so uh, basically what happened was. Uh, so I went from the village, uh, and then uh, this guy scouted me from the village. So I went from the village to something called a township. So there's a place called Sishiku, it's like a township. Uh, life is better there. They have better infrastructures compared to the villages. So they had grass, They had, and that's actually when I got my first pair of shoes. Okay. You know, when uh, somebody came to my house and they said, hey, we like your, your kid, you know, we'd like to develop him into a better player. You know, but it was a situation where I think at the time, I think it was 2004, my parents had to pay like 400 rands, which is, I would say it's equivalent to uh, maybe 30 bucks a month, you know, and uh, that 30 bucks was supposed to cover uh, housing, supposed to cover food, you know, and uh, I was there for three months and then my dad got laid off, you know, so it was a matter of, and my dad was the only was the breadwinner. You know, it was a matter of do I go back home or do I keep pushing for what I uh, believe in and what I want to become. You know, and my mom said sat me down and said, you know what, like I'm gonna make sure that uh, you know I'll keep doing what I'm doing. She's always been like a hustler, you know, street vendor selling stuff, and she said I'll make sure that uh, you know every month uh, your the fees are paid for. But at the same time, you won't have any money to spend because you have four other siblings at home that need to be taken care of, you know. And to me, I said, you know what, like, as much as uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not naive, I see what's going on, you know. And that, to me, when my mom sat me down, was a big motivation, you know, was a big push. You know, I, I know we've mentioned talking about people that are looked up to, idols, you know. Though, those people out there were like obviously people that I admired and looked up to but to have my mom sit down and tell me about what she's going to do for me and all the sacrifices that she's doing for me to be where I was at the time I think was a big game changer you know it was a game changer for me because mentally I, I looked at it and I said man what can I do to make sure that I help her you know what can I do to make sure that she doesn't have to take care of me well for me there was only one thing to do Every time there was tryouts in Johannesburg, I had to make sure that I do well because I knew if I can get myself to a team in Johannesburg, that's where Orlando Pirates Academies, Kaiser Chiefs Academies, Bidvest Academies, Super Sport United Academy. If I can get myself there, then she doesn't have to pay a dime. So everything will be paid for. Yeah. So it'd be kind of like your Barcelona Academy. You know, everything will be paid for. I'll get clothing, I'll get free school, I'll get... Uh, school uniforms, I'd get uh, food, I'd get, you know, I'm taking proper meal, you know. And, uh, and yeah, that was the push. That was the beginning of, uh, you know, the beginning of tsunami, like most South Africans know me. You know? Dude, uh, on that, uh, uh, just a little bit on that topic, man, did you have to try out, like, amongst other kids for that? And if so, how was that, dude? Because there must have been a group of, of kids over there, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we... Like we would, what happened was we would get in a taxi, uh, like a 15 seater bus, drive all the way to Johannesburg, you know, from the township, which is like uh, four hours. And sometimes I remember there was one time where 
uh, there was just family members, uh, players, family members, just uh, putting us in the garage, you know, so we can just sleep, you know. Uh, I remember we were just pile up in the garage. There'll be thirty of us, you know, in the garage, sleeping uh, next to each other. Next day, wake up, try out, and there'll be you know a thousand kids, you know, and and I actually mastered trying out. I I, I mastered the the idea of being seen without doing too much. Yeah. You know, because uh, before that, obviously I had went to different trials and I was rejected and it was, you know, it was, you know, something that I was like, man, like for me to do well, I have to be seen. You know, if it means I have to do something that's special every time I get the ball, I have to do it. You know, if it means uh, I always said, ask questions like, okay, I'm going to try out, we're going to try out at Kaiser Chiefs Academy. What kind of style do they play? Look at their first team, you know. And then I would say, oh, okay, well, if I'm playing as a number nine, this is what they want. They want me to run in behind. And if I had somebody, if a midfielder had the ball, irrespective of them, they're going to pass me or not, I didn't care. I was making sure that I'm running in behind and screaming for the ball to get attention of the coaches. You know, so I kind of like those small things kind of helped me in terms of me being seen and being in a, in a in a position where there was not 500 kids now but there was 20 kids well when there's 20 kids then i got to do what i what i did yeah you know it becomes easier but just being able to break out of that 500 was tough so from from breaking out of that 500 to getting into the academy how how did the south african national team come about and who how did you get how did you get brought into that yeah well i um Obviously, I got selected. I uh, played for an academy, Bitvis Vits, um, and uh, it's probably like one of the top. Uh, it's up there with like your top uh, team academies. And I mean, coming from the village to the township to Johannesburg, you know, and and I'm glad that it happened like that because you know I didn't. I felt like I didn't miss a step. You know, going from the village where the coaches had to be creative there was no cones there was no huddles to go to a township where there's a little bit of cones and then to go to to johannesburg where now every training matters because you have somebody investing in you you know they're investing in you saying you're going to be a top player in the first team you know in the next five years or six years so it goes from your parents paying out of pocket for you to play to you actually play uh, paying with your performance yeah you know so for me it was I looked back home like I said I looked back home and that was motivation for me you know when other guys are playing I wasn't playing I was taking everything serious when other guys were uh, playing around in school I wasn't because I knew that uh, that was the best school I've ever attended in Johannesburg you know yeah. Uh, and and yeah so I got into the academy. I got acclimatized to being in Johannesburg in a, in a city where, well, there's five or six languages being spoken. You know, I had to actually adapt and learn those languages. Uh, and you, sometimes you would have teammates cuss at you in a different language, <laughs> you know, because in South Africa, we have 11 official languages, you know, and I had to be able to speak those languages. And for me, I was able to do that. And from there on, uh, I started doing well in the academy and, um, there was a guy called my coach Floyd Mohali. He's he works at Mamelodi Sundowns right now, uh, which is one of the top teams in Africa. And he, uh, you know, he I guess recommended me to the 
to the uh, first team uh, to the youth national team coach and uh, I first my, I got my first call up uh, I didn't play you know there was I mean there was a lot of talent there was uh, you know guys like uh, you know Kamuelo Mokocho he plays in Brentford right now you know he played for 20 uh, there was guys who played for Ajax Amsterdam a guy called Tulani Serrero you know it was a good side yeah. And for me to just be in that team was it was an honor, you know. And then the next year, of course, and I was able to to play and get minutes. But it was good. It was good to to represent my country. To be honest, hell yeah! What of an experience, right? Getting on the pitch with your with your country's kit on and everything, man. It, you you had to have been just one of those one of those days that you'll never forget, right? Nah, nah, I, I would never forget. And I had someone ask me the other day, like, oh, what would you say was your best? Has been your best soccer career moment, you know? I was like, oh, you know, playing against drug, but it was it was it was up there. But I think representing my country was awesome. Yeah, yeah. you know, it was it was awesome. Hey guys, so Lance has another show called The Loyalist that focuses on San Diego loyal soccer. This week I co-hosted on a really cool episode, and the guest was none other than president and co-founder of Stone Brewing, Steve Wagner. Yup, and Stone, as you probably know, is a kit sponsor for San Diego Loyal. If you like beer or football, either or both, you're gonna dig this episode. Here's a sneak preview. Did you get a chance to watch a match at Highbury or at the Emirates? No, I never saw a match at Highbury. Uh, yeah. I did. I've seen uh, several matches at the Emirates, but I do have a good soccer story from English uh, story from when I I uh, I had finished college, and so I was taking a trip, you know, touring around Europe for a few months, and I landed in London to start, and I said. Oh, this is great. I'm going to go see a football match. You know, I'm in London and I like look through the papers and figure out and there was like only one first division game that day. This was like in January of 1981. And so I went to White Hart Lane and I saw Tottenham play Arsenal. And this is, I was so, so ignorant about the state of English soccer then that I went to, you know, the away venue. I wasn't an Arsenal fan yet at that point, but I went to, I went to, White Hart Lane wearing my big red down jacket because it was winter, you know? <laughs> Get the full episode this week at theloyalist.net. Now back to the show. This is Chris Malinab, assistant coach Reno 1868, and you're listening to Beyond 90. So, Labo. Was that same academy coach, was he the one that was helping you to uh, get um, into college or get scholarship offers over here? Get that trial with Lindsay? Uh, nah. That coach actually was the one that, uh, when I decided to come to the U.S., there was, you know, uh, there was a bit of conflict because that coach said, you know, you projected to be one of the top uh, young players in the country. You should stay, you know. And the assistant coach, on the other hand, uh, said, yeah, but if you stay, you're not guaranteed that you'll play. Whereas you have, you're guaranteed education if you choose to go the education route, you know. And well, I ended up choosing the education route and my coach, you know, was kind of upset at me. You know, he was upset at me uh, for a few years. And uh, yeah, I think we uh, we lost a little bit of contact, you know, and, and I always texted him, you know, I said, you know, I am where I am today because of you. You know, I wouldn't be where I am because of you. And I made this decision because it's, I, I felt that it was the right decision for me to make. You know, and then uh, looking back now, you know, we uh, we we're as close close as ever. You know, I talk to him almost every day to the locker room to change after the game. 
and I mean, I could feel the presence of this big white dude, you know, behind me, you know. And I'm like, somebody's following me, you know. And then I check my shoulders, and then he taps me, right? Taps me, and then he gives me a card. Well, I looked at the card, you know, I'm expecting Bayern Munich or Dortmund, you know. It says Lindsay Wilson College. I'm like, college? What is this? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, I didn't take it serious um, until the next year, to be honest. You know, I've, I I never looked at that card again, you know, um, because uh, at that time I thought, you know, if I do well, I'll end up in the first team, you know. And when that chance was delayed, I said, oh, let me see. Uh, let me reach out back to, to, to that guy that was following me, you know. And luckily he was able to remember me. Man, cool. a year later though, what were the like? I mean, you kept well. One, you kept the card. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah. But was yeah. there any other like deciding factors ex- be besides just not making the first team? Were you like, ah, oh, you know, like it's America? I, think, <laughs> I, I mean, I think honestly, like I looked at it like when I when I sat down and looked at it, I said, you know, truth be told, I looked at South Africa, right, and that's home, yeah. and I said, well. If I leave South Africa and then I come and get an education, obviously the education system was four months, yeah. right? Uh, I was going to be left behind a little bit, but I'll have something that some of these guys do not have. I'll have an education, you know, and I'll still be 22, 23, like, which is still yeah. young. You know, if it means I have to do that and then come back home and sign with a team in the national first division, like a, like a USL kind of in South Africa, and kind of like regain my form why not you know and that's what that's why i took the i took it you know i was like i'll still be young when i come back you know right do you, so that leads me to the that leads me to the next question man so yeah. you're in south africa you get tapped on the shoulder by the guy from Lindsay. a year goes by bro all of a yeah. sudden you make the phone call and then you're on a jet plane over here to america yeah. Dude, what did you think when you got in? Because did you fly straight into Kentucky where, where Lindsey Wilson's at? Or <laughs> like, I mean, because I'm just curious to see like what kind of, what what your thoughts were. Honestly, I, I remember my parents were like, you know what, you're doing this? Like, you are crazy. You've never, like I flew before, you know, with the national team, yeah. but it was like to like the neighboring countries. Right, right. You know, and here I am uh, connecting in London Heathrow and then Chicago, you know. And I, re- I remember when I left South Africa, like, it's crazy, but like the lights in the, the lights, when you leave South Africa, Johannesburg, the lights are like yellowish, you know, the lights are like yellowish. And then you fly into Chicago, the lights are white, you know, yeah. like it's just bright white. I'm like, wait, what kind of, do they use a different kind of electricity? <laughs> <laughs> you know, got into Chicago and then connected from Chicago to Louisville. Okay. You know. Then I'm in Louisville, this big glass. I'm like, oh, I'm going to a big city, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and you must remember, like, you know, internet back home is not cheap. So I didn't do a lot of research in terms of where Columbia, Kentucky was. Right, right. You know, uh, here I am. I get to um, Louisville, starving. I mean, I was hungry. I was starving. And I didn't know any any place. I didn't know Applebee's. I don't know all these places. <laughs> yeah. The only place I know is McDonald's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see McDonald's, I'm like, oh, I'm starving. You know, I go to McDonald's and then I buy a Big Mac. I remember, buy a Big Mac meal. This guy gives me, African-American guy, gives me an empty cup. You know, I'm sitting I'm sitting there looking at him like, bro, where's my drink? <laughs> you know, in South Africa, we don't, we don't get free. You don't get an empty cup to go to the fountain. 
they give you a drink, you know. Yeah, yeah. Know. <laughs> you know, this this guy, I mean, this dude, I mean, he's huge. He's giving me an empty cup, and I said, "Drink." He goes, "That's what I said." Drink. He goes, he looks at me, and then he goes, "What?" Over there, man. You know, and I was like, "I'm not asking him again." This guy, he's massive. I don't know anyone here, you know. And then, uh, so I go to this fountain. They call it a fountain, you know, fountain drink. Yeah. And I go, I go to it, and and you must remember, I said, you know, I, I ordered a Big Mac with uh, chips. Yeah. You know, not fries, chips. Yeah. You know. And uh, so, anyways, so I go to this fountain. There's no one there, you know. Fountain drinks, no one's there. And I mean, I'm like, I come from a family where we used to drink Coca-Cola on special occasions, you know? Right, right. And here I am faced with all these things, you know, like Coke, Sprite, and Fanta, you know? I'm telling you, Jay Glenn's, I took a sip of every drink. <laughs> I took a sip of every drink, every bit of that drink. And nobody cared, like nobody, people were just doing their own thing, yeah. you know? I was like, what kind of country is this? Like, <laughs> you know, I was expecting someone to say, hey, you cannot do that. Like, you have to pay for it. Yeah. But I found out that it was, unlimited yeah you know it was unlimited and uh yeah so uh they came to pick me up and it was nighttime i was tired drove to lindsey wilson college columbia kentucky wake up the next day i mean i went out of the the dormitory and i mean i was i saw cows you know yeah. i was in the middle of nowhere yeah. you know and i was like uh okay well first of all i don't know why i don't know why but i think uh, and I don't know I, I don't want to say it's ignorance but it's just not knowing like for some reason I was like surely in America there's no cows you know <laughs> cows is something that's in the village you know but then when I was in in, in the US I was like huh that's a dumb analogy because then they eat steak where would the steak come from you know right right but, but yeah I saw cows you know I was like man I feel like I'm in the village I'm back in the village you know and uh, a lot of European guys that came to Lindsay didn't survive. Like they only stayed there for like six months and left, yeah. transferred or left. And uh, I was able to to stay there. You know, uh, luckily enough, there was a lot of guys. Uh, your guys like Sean Francis was there. Uh, Michael Azira, you know, he plays for Chicago now. Yeah. Fire. He was there. You know, there was a lot of guys that uh, made me feel welcomed, made me feel at home. And uh, yeah, and it was uh, it was good. It was good to have those guys. Nice. Yeah, my bad. Nice man, nice. Do so during your time during your time when you were at Lindsay, you were also playing for uh, Des Moines Menace. How 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 did that how did that go back and forth? Because like you're the, Menace is in Iowa, you're in Kentucky. I mean, do, how how did that happen, man? I don't know, Lens. I feel like this. The you know. I don't think your big cities like me, your LA, New York, you know, imagine going from Kentucky to Iowa, you know. Yeah. So so it was it was good. It was good though, to be honest. Uh I had uh the assistant coach Nathan Gibson. Nathan Gibson was the coach there. He's a South African. Uh and uh Lori Lori Calloway okay. was the coach. Yep, Lori Calloway was the coach and great guys. Great guys to be honest. Like those guys were not only there for me during the three months of PDL, but they were there for me uh, throughout the year. You know, like if I needed something, they were there to help me out. If I had a question, if I needed advice, they were there to help me out. I remember every time I would go play, every season they would say, hey, you know, uh, we've talked to, I remember when I was there, one year they said we talked to, uh, John Spencer was a coach at Portland at the time. 
talk to John Spencer, you know, they would like for you to come for three days to, to check the place out, you know. I went there for three days, well, supposed to be three days, it ended up being 15 days, you know, because the coach was like, man, you're actually good, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was three days, from three days was five days, you know, five days, he was like, oh, maybe what he did, he didn't mean to do it, it was fluke, you know. Yeah. I did it again then seven days, you know. And then he was like, oh, let's see if he can stay for two weeks. I mean, I ended up staying for two weeks and he was like, well, I guess you are a good player, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a three-day three day visit t- turned into like a 15-day tryout, you know. That's awesome. Dude, how far is from is Columbia from Des Moines? How far away? Is it, how long is that drive? Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a drive. I would say, I don't know, like, I'm not sure, 10 hours maybe. Yeah. Wow, you did that for years, huh? Yeah, so we did that every summer. Did that every summer, and and, and, and I mean, like it was uh, honestly like Demar Menes was a was a good was a good team. It was a good team, and I and I loved playing for those guys, and uh, and it was a team that I felt like kind of kept me active, you know, and prepared for the next uh, four college season. Were, you were not taking classes at the time while you were playing PDL. It was during summer. No. No, no, no. Yes, I always made sure that uh, I do well in school, uh, and I took as many uh, like I would take eighteen hours, Damn. you know, uh, and I'll do well so that in the summer I can just focus on playing. And you did do well, right? Two-time NAIA Scholar Athlete, Student Athlete of the Year, two thousand thirteen, three point seven GPA. Hey, Jake, those are supposed to be secret. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> these, these are some of the other things you get to brag about, too, man. Yeah, no, I, d- I did well. I did well. I think I was, uh, uh, like, uh, yeah, All-American, um, academic. Uh, I was Sportsman of the Year. It caught in my college, I was uh, NAA Champions of Character. You know, which, uh, I mean, I had a good time in NAA, to be honest. Like, I... Uh, obviously, coming here, I didn't know about the whole NAA, NCAA. I didn't know about all that, you know. Yeah. And to me, it didn't matter because I was like, I'm getting an education, yep. you know. Speaking of your education, after you got drafted by Seattle, you opted to continue studies instead, right? Um, yeah. Can you tell us more about that decision? Were you worried at all it might affect your chances later to sign with them or another uh, MLS team? No, Jake, to be honest, like, it started way before... Uh, it started way before my last year, my final year in college. Like I remember Adrian Heath was still at Orlando, uh, was still as uh, Austin uh, Aztecs at the time. You know, um, he saw me play um, and he loved me. He said, hey, if you wanna pursue playing pro, you can come and play for us, you know? And I had a talk with him. I said, I would love to come play pro. Obviously I would love to do that, but I can only do that if you wanna pay for my two years of education. You know, and he was always, uh, I'll talk to the managers. Oh, it's not going to be possible. Okay, then, you know. And to me, uh, with all those experiences, uh, kind of taught me to to understand and realize that, you know what, like, uh, football is a business. You know, like, if somebody, because I looked at it like, if somebody values my talent, then they should value my education, right? Yeah. But that's not the case. You know, it's it's not the case because... It's always, well, I'm signing you for football. I'm not signing you for education, you know. And for me, it was if I can stay in college, and still get both, well, that's good for my for my value. It's good for my stocks. It's good for me. Yeah. You know. And if I can always use that to get a better deal that can pay for my education, uh, and still play pro, I was gonna do that. You know. Same thing. I went to Portland. Uh, I mentioned Portland. Uh, your Darlington neighbor was still there. Uh, James Marcelli, 
so I went to Portland and after 15 days, John Spencer said, you know, I like, I like you as a player. I want to sign you. I said, okay, you can sign me. But I still have two years because was, I was going to be a junior. I still have two years of college. You know, if you can pay for that, guarantee me that you'll pay for that, then I'm good. I'll sign. Go to the manager. Oh, no, that's not possible. Oh, I could. I'll just go back to school. Yeah. So when the, when the Seattle Sound thing came about, uh, which, uh, you know, I had a talk with uh, Ziggy Schmidt, uh, may his soul rest in peace. Great guy, you know, awesome guy. Laid back, chilled, you know. Um, so when I left college to to go in preseason with the team, the school said, okay, we'll give you four weeks. Four weeks, after four weeks, then we're cutting your scholarship. You know, you need to decide whether you're coming back or you're not. You know, I uh, said, okay. So when I got to Seattle, you know, I remember I came there a little bit. I was there late. Uh, we had a training session, my first training session. Uh, Ziggy was with the other guys, and I was with, like, your tryouts, college guys, with uh, Brian, Brian Schmetzer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're doing a shooting drill, and you know, I don't know, I don't know, like, can call it confidence or cockiness. I don't know where I got it from, but we're doing shooting, and I think I, I chipped the keeper three times, right? Mm-hmm. Chipped the keeper three times, and I mean, he was good. The keeper was going nuts, you know. Brian Schmetzer was loving it, and, you know, he would go and tell Ziggy, you know. And I ended up rooming with um, Jimmy, Jimmy Trower, right? So Jimmy Trower was my roommate. We went to camp uh, in t- Tucson, went to Tucson, and uh, I remember I was supposed to be in the second team with your most retaining guys. Like normally in preseason, like your first team, your main guys play the first 30 minutes, yeah. right? And then the other guys, the retaining guys with like a little bit of trial list, like your Jimmy Trower play second. And the college guys play third, like maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Well, I was supposed to be on the second team and uh, Alonzo, Alonzo got sick, I think that morning. and. Ziggy said, you know, you're playing in the first team with Zakawane, Rosales, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there I was, you know, I'm like, we played, and we played, we ended up playing against Portland, you know, with Chara, um, uh, Nagbe, and, you know, there I was, straight out of co- I mean, still in college, playing against these guys, you know. And I played, I think I played 75 minutes. Oh, you damn. know, I played 75 minutes, and Ziggy called me after training, um, and he said, I just wanted to see. I've seen that you're a good player. You know, I've seen that. I've seen what you can do. You know, I just wanted to see if you can keep up with the speed of MLS. And I'm impressed. You know, if you want to stay here, we'll offer you a contract. You know, I understand you want to go back to school. But if you want to go back to school, well, that's another topic. You know, I said, I'll stay if you can guarantee me that I'll get paid uh, and I'll get to finish my education. You know, and and at the time, obviously, I was an international. You know, there was there was a lot of things that, like, as much as exciting it was to be offered that opportunity, you, you must also understand that I was an international. You know, with no experience, uh, and there were talks of you know about Fabi Martins coming and all that stuff, and uh, and at the same time, there was the whole semi-guaranteed contract. You know, and I'm like, I'm not taking a semi-guaranteed contract and pass off school when I'm this close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're giving me a guaranteed contract for one year, then that's something else, you know. But if I'm going to get a semi-guaranteed contract, I'm still basically on tryout. Yeah. You know, I'm still trialing. You can cut me next week if you want, you know. So I said, you know, um, 
thanks for the opportunity but i think i'm just gonna go back to school and finish it out and uh yeah so i was actually there i was in camp with them for two weeks so that four weeks in two weeks they were able to say you're a good player we want to sign you you know and i was able to make that decision and i chose to go back to school were you representing yourself or did you have an agent that must have been really difficult no never had never have no had a, an agent even today i don't have an agent jay i do my own thing i do my own thing i uh i get yelled at a lot by the <laughs> team owners uh, like your gms you know we cuss at each other back and forth and then you know after two weeks i sign and then we talk like nothing happened you know? <laughs> well you can cuss at them in how many different languages do you speak man uh uh six six yes six. yeah you know but you know and it's not you know obviously it's uh it's not easy it's not easy but i think for me it's always been you know me first you know uh if i can do well for myself then i can be able to back it up you know when it comes time for me to talk to a general manager and stuff you know and i've i've been called names <laughs> and all that and i've had my phone i've had you know people hang up on me and i'll hang up on people you know uh because we'd be heated you know and uh and yeah, and then the next thing, you know, next day we talk and I'm like, okay, I can agree. Let's do that, you know. And, and, and I've learned that, you know, sometimes you can agree to, to disagree. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to agree on certain things, but we have to respect each other's view, each other's opinions and stuff, you know. I love it, Labo. Not only badass on the pitch, but also a super agent, bro. I dig that. <laughs> Tough negotiator, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little, you know, I got told a couple, a lot of times that I'm very stubborn. You know? Nice, bro. Nice. You're fighting so, for yourself, yeah. man. You got to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, I try. I try. Hell I'll yeah, try, dude. So, so then you ended up going back to school, and in 2014, man, you ended up back in South Africa playing for United FC. What? One, was that always the plan to go back to South Africa or were you just like, hey, I'm done with school. Let me let me head on back. I got. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was the plan. It was the plan for me to as soon as I got done, I was like, you know what? I think I want to go back to South Africa and uh, I signed for um, the second division, you know, uh, in South Africa. And, and to be honest, it was good. It was good for me to actually go back and spend time with my family because I was closer to home. You know, it was good to. Uh, in helping me make the decision on whether I want to come back to the U.S. or stay at home, you know, and the more time I spent back home, you know, I realized that that's actually when I neg- that's where I negotiated my first contract. Yeah, you know? yeah, you know, and um, yeah, it was it was different. It was totally different, uh, to be honest. And and I think no disrespect to the guys that I was playing with, but I felt like I was you know, way ahead of them in terms of a lot of things, you know, and uh, to them it was only the game, you know. But for me, um, I had obtained an education and I knew how to actually read, you know, I knew how to talk, I knew how to simply control, um, simply do an interview, you know, and, and you know, their mentality was was a little bit different to, to me, you know. Uh, you would have guys without cleats you know but they would have air forces you know yeah. like night yeah. air force and stuff and i'm like well cleats are something that brings you money you know they're the ones that feed you like the night air forces they don't you just wearing them to look good and post on instagram and get girls yeah you know like <laughs> why don't you why can't you invest in something that's gonna help you do well when, when it comes time to play because some of those guys would come to me and ask me for boots 
you know i'm like no i'm not giving you boots you, you just you just bought a new pair of mx's you know so and i think uh also the the whole professional setup you know um in the u.s the professionalism is top class you know um in south africa your second division still all tough you know and for me to come back here it was it was a no-brainer for me. Dude, it's funny that I, I, I love that you said uh, about you seeing people that were buying Air Force Ones and they're like, oh, I don't have any boots, but they're wearing a new pair of Jordans or, or Nikes, right? But you're right, man. A lot of people don't have that mentality where it's like, I need to reinvest in myself before I start buying other non-essential, you know. Yes, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with those non-essentials, but they will come at the right time, Ex you know exactly because because the problem is running to those non-essentials products that don't do anything for you you know where else i'm like invest in the boots you know invest in the boots once you pay once you wear decent boots and you can do well well you're gonna generate more income for yourself right right you know? but it, like i said it's just the mentality of of, of of people you know dude love that man love it dude how how did so after after United FC I know that you said uh, you were there and you negotiated your first your first contract, bro. Was that with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds? Well, um, so basically, what happened was uh, I yeah I signed for United and I negotiated uh, for my first contract. Uh, and again, it was heated up. Yeah, as always. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> and I was able to question a lot of things that was on the contract. You know, yeah. uh, simple things like options, you know, like they would say, oh, you know, we're giving you a two-year contract. And then in small print, they'll be like, oh, there's five years option. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it's on the team. I'm like, well, so basically it's a seven, as long as I do well, it's a seven-year contract, you know. <laughs> yeah. Two years with a five-year option, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, no, like there's no way I'm not doing this, you know, yeah. like. Like those kind of things, like small things like that, you know. Uh, I was able, if I if I didn't understand something, I would ask. Yeah, yeah, because I've learned to do that uh, in the U.S., where I was in a position to be taught in English, and I wasn't speaking English. English wasn't my first language, you know. So I asked a lot of questions. So it was the same thing when I got that thing. I was like, this does not sound right. What does it mean? Yeah, you know. Uh, and I was able to ask, which most of the guys they don't. They just sign. You know, you get excited because you're signing your first contract. Uh, but yeah, I was able to negotiate my first contract, and because of that, I was able to actually make decent amount of money. Yeah, you know. Um, and then I signed again with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and with Pittsburgh was funny because there was a guy. There's a guy by the name of Boise Kumalo. Uh, he used to play in the MLS. He's a South African dude. Lives in Michigan. Uh, someone reached out to him and he said, "Hey, man, do you know this South African kid?" The guy was like, "Yeah, I know this kid. I was just talking to him yesterday." And then, boy, you sent me a message. You said, hey, there's a team in Pittsburgh. They want you. I said, did they send you a contract? He said, yeah, they sent me a contract. Forwarded it to me. I read it and signed. Nice, you know? dude. Yeah. But, yeah, that's how I ended up in the, in the back in the U.S. Obviously, there was a couple of offers. Uh, I think I remember there was Charlotte, too. You know, Mike Jeffries was. Yeah, Mike Jeffries, Charlotte. There was a few offers, but I ended up going to Pittsburgh. Playbo, man, with your interest in law and you've been your own agent and you've been helping other guys, that could be your career, man, when you're done. You could be a super sports <laughs> ah, agent. Nah, Jake. Jake, uh-uh. You know, nah. Dumb. Nah, nah. I think it's just, nah. Agency, it's rough, man. It, it's not easy. Sounds nah. like you have. Because, because, because you think about it, you know, and, and 
and I mean, I respect all the agents out there. You know, if you think about it, like it, it's it's a tough it's a tough job. You know, for me to be able to fight for this guy, right? Knowingly that, oh, I might have to bring a different player to the same team that I'm fighting the owners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like it's rough. You know, but for me, I think um, I've always tried to be respectful in my conversations. You know, um, if people hang up on me, it's fine. You know, uh, but. I'll, you know, I've, I come from a background where, uh, you know, my community, my village believes in, you know, a, a child is not, you know, the community, the whole community raises a child, right? Yeah. So, so irrespective of, you know, Lens, Jake, if they're older than me, I have to show them respect. You know, that's how I'm brought up, you know, and, and that's why you will never, like, I'll, I'll never fight with a coach. You know, I'm one of the guys that in the locker room, like, uh, if I don't agree with something, I'll go to the coach and I'll tell him, right? But I would never, you know, you never see me cussing at somebody who's older than me, you know, because I'm like, if, if I let it get to that, po- to that point, like, that's just not me, you know? So, so even with all the talks going on, like, I try to stay as cool, cool as a, cool as a cucumber, you know? Okay, so you guys just heard Labo is an incredible dude with an endless supply of amazing stories. He was so generous with his time, we split this one up into two parts. So stay tuned for the second installment, where we get to learn more about Labo's philanthropic work with the Bank Community Cup and his life as a dedicated father, who's also a pro footballer. Look for the episode tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Beyond 90 has been produced by Chingone Records and In the Sangre Productions. Please leave a review if you liked what you heard. 